This is Dr. Michael Clapper, and today we'll be mapping essential nutrients on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix Special Nutrition Therapy Series, where we're going to dive into the approaches, practices, dietary theories, and healing foods that have been used in the most successful practices across the globe and throughout history. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. The 15-Minute Matrix is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons highlighting the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition, and that's the functional matrix. The functional nutrition matrix reminds us of three very important factors in clinical care. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Michael Clapper. Dr. Clapper is a gifted clinician, internationally recognized teacher, and sought-after speaker on diet and health. In addition to his clinical practice and private consultations with patients, he is a passionate and devoted educator of physicians and other healthcare professionals about the importance of nutrition in clinical practice and integrative medicine. As his medical career progressed, Dr. Clapper began to realize, true to what science is bearing out today, that many of the diseases his patients presented, ethereal sclerosis, hypertension, obesity, adult-onset diabetes, and even some forms of arthritis, asthma, and other significant illnesses were made worse or actually caused by the high-sugar, high-fat, high-salt, overly-processed, animal-product-based, standard American diet. Dr. Clapper is a proponent of a vegan diet, and as with all of the podcasts in this series, I want to remind you that we are highlighting the work and success that clinicians have had in their practices, and we are not advocating one perspective or another as much as we are here to remind you that you must put theory to practice to determine what works for your own body and the physiological function of those you serve. With that in mind, let's get started with this important discussion with Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you, Andrea. It's uh, good to be with you and your listeners. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here and to talk about the topic of essential nutrients. So this word essential, it has special meaning in the world of nutrition and health and disease. Can you help us to redefine our understanding of the term essential through this clinical lens? Oh my, what an interesting question. <laughs> uh, as you're implying, uh, when we learn in biochemistry and physiology about essential nutrients, uh, they're the ones that if you uh, do not ingest them on a regular basis in sufficient amounts and you uh, have a decrease of 
whether it's vitamin C, vitamin D, magnesium, whatever it might be, uh, decreasing your tissues to such a low level, then severe compromise of function happens. In other words, people get sick and die. And so uh, any nutrient that has that potential to do that uh, is viewed as an essential nutrient uh, that uh, uh, puts you at risk for mortality if it falls uh, too low in your diet. And there are essential fatty acids, right. uh, as I mentioned, uh, proteins, vitamin B12, vitamin C, uh, and there's deficiency diseases attached to all of these scurvy and, and beriberi, et cetera, that are well well known in, in modern medicine. These absolutely fit the definition of essential nutrients. But when it comes to optimal function, which is really the level that you and I and your audience function at, that's really our concern. We don't see expect to see too many people dying of scurvy or beriberi. But we see lots of people who just are not functioning at their best because of their dietary intake or lack of dietary intake. Uh, and these are the folks that uh, need some help optimizing their diet. And, and for these folks, when it comes to optimal function, uh, absolutely, there are nutrients that can be viewed as essential for that as well. Such a good explanation. And as you were talking, I was thinking about these kind of moments in history where we recognized that these nutrients were essential, like you said, with scurvy or other issues that we're experiencing, even right now with vitamin D levels in this time during COVID. But what's been really interesting to me and that you speak about so beautifully is the time period where we recognized the need for those essential fats. And I think that happened a lot when we moved from breastfeeding to bottle feeding. Were there other points in history that identified the need for the essential fatty acids? Oh my. Uh, oh, I'm and, asking you hard questions. Oh, it's, you know, a delightful question, delicious, if I might say. That made me really think about the progression of really of, of food processing in the 20th century right. is really uh, where we started losing out on essential nutrients in a, in a big way. Uh, and uh, oh heavens, what we have done with the whole family of fats, uh, fat molecules, yeah. has been a, a transgression against nature, yes. uh, uh, where we used to just get fats from largely uh, nuts and seeds in our diet, uh, and some animals, horses, I suppose, but at least they were reasonably un processed, yes. uh, but now we take vegetable oils and we hydrogenate them and we uh, put all sorts of uh, fat-based additives in with these, uh, uh, with these fatty products uh, that who knows what effects they have in our body. And there's lots of suspicion that they cause a dysfunction on a lot of levels. Um, so I would say as soon as we got to, we started getting into uh, making uh, hydrogenated oils, yeah. margarines, etc., uh, in the 1940s, 50s, certainly after World War II, it really took off. Yeah, so interesting to think about that progression. And you're a proponent of a whole foods, plant-based diet. I always am going to say everybody's healthy diet should be plant-powered. And one of the things that you've seen or encountered along the way are people who may be embracing a plant-based diet or a vegan diet and are experiencing certain deficiencies in certain essential nutrients. Can you talk a little bit about what a deficiency might look like if we're seeing it, and particularly with the essential fats? 
Yes. Back in the 1990s, I follow a plant-based diet. I'm an, I'm an ethical vegan. I really don't want my diet to cause uh, any suffering or injury to any living creature, including uh, animals or non-human animals. And uh, so I've you know, been advocating a plant-based diet, but also because it reverses these terrible diseases we're seeing. If we, you know, we, we are basically plant-eating hominids. Uh, we have fingers on our hands, not claws. We've got mm -hmm. long intestines for digesting fiber. We've got saliva that has starch-digesting enzymes. We're plant-eating creatures like our bonobo and gorilla cousins are. Uh, and as long as we're eating a whole plant food stream, we don't develop obesity and our arteries don't clog up, we don't go diabetic, we don't develop colitis, et cetera, et cetera. As we stray from that whole food, plant-based food stream, uh, we get obese and clogged up and inflamed and hypertensive and diabetic and uh, the usual disasters of 20, 20 now 21st yes. century uh, health. So that said, uh, uh, there's many reasons why I advocate a plant-based diet. But a lot of people hear this, say, okay, and you get a lot of so-called junk food vegans that yeah. are living off processed foods and uh, granola bars and energy drinks, and uh, and they're busy folks. They don't have time to cook, or they're living alone, and they, they just aren't into cooking. For whatever reason, as the months and years go by, if you're not to eating the flax seeds and hemp seeds and walnuts and, and taking in omega-3 fats and their natural form, um, we, it seems that deficiencies can develop and uh, it may show up with persistent depressed mood. I've seen dry, scaly skin. Mm -hmm. I've seen low, low bowel function. And uh, heavens knows it can all be caused by other uh, causes beyond uh, omega-3 fat. But if you're, if you're just living, especially on processed foods that are uh, always omega-6 oil heavy, there's a good chance you may have a, a, a relative deficiency uh, of omega-3 fats, DHA, EPA. So I really want folks, if possible, to get it out of whole plant foods. And so I have oatmeal almost every morning and two tablespoons of uh, ground up flax and chia and hemp seeds goes on that. Or most every salad in the evening gets a double tablespoons of that. A handful of walnuts every day. Last time I got my omega levels checked, omega-3 levels checked, they were just fine. And I really urge people to make sure these omega-3 uh, containing, omega-3 fat containing foods are regular visits, visitors to their diet. And you want every day, you want that handful of walnuts at least. And uh, most people shouldn't have a problem with that. If you're a pregnant woman, you should probably be taking uh, supplemental DHA. You should probably uh, DHA uh, manufactured from algae, which really are the primary sources, and take 300 milligrams of DHA uh, and EPA daily. And if you're over 65, it's said that our enzyme capability of, of producing these long-chain fats decreases uh, with advancing age. So folks over 65 or so probably would be wise to take some allergy-derived DHA as well. And have you seen in your clinical practice that eating these plant-based sources of EFAs as essential nutrient intake is enough to address these issues? I guess it would depend if there's a lot of other constituents in their diet, like you said, the junk food vegan, a lot of sugars, a lot of uh, plant-based oils that aren't healthy. Is it something that you've seen be able to address just with the food? Yeah, the, I think the majority of people who are eating, as I mentioned, lots of whole plant foods that have omega-3 fats in them. It's such a subtle thing to develop, uh, to uh, to measure 
these folks should not develop a DHA deficiency because when there's lower levels of DHA and EPA in their diet, the tissues get more efficient at, at uh, chain lengthening uh, reactions and people are able to make more DHA and EPA as it decreases in their diet. But it's hard to measure tissue levels. Mm. And so you, you might see a lowish level out in the bloodstream, but it doesn't necessarily reflect uh, a true deficiency. Uh, and if I have a young, healthy vegan person at age 30 um, and they're eating the, the flax season, the hemp season, the chia season, the walnuts every day, um, I, I think it's inappropriate to say for the, for the next 40 years, you also need to take 300 milligrams of algae-derived DHA every day. Um, I don't really know what that's doing to their, uh, to their downstream EPA synthesis, which seems to decrease as we take more preformed DHA, hmm. uh, EPA goes down in the tissues. Well, is that a good thing or not? Nobody knows. Um, DHA increases um, membrane permeability right. to lots of molecules. Well, uh, I live in South Florida where there's carcinogens in the drinking water. Um, am I increasing my risk for brain tumor by, by taking extra DHA every day uh, and letting these chlorinated hydrocarbons enter my tissue? I don't know. Nobody knows. So that's why I've kind of pulled back from my original recommendation. Oh, all vegans should be taking supplemental DHA. I'm not so sure about that. If you're a young, healthy person and you're and you really are eating the flax seeds and the walnuts and all of that, you I think you could cruise for the next 30 years without running into a DHA deficiency. Though you can get blood tests done, though those are are not very reliable. There's huge variations on those. It's it seems. So um, so people say, well, just to be safe, just just take some. But again, you can't do one thing in the body. You know, yeah, we don't really right. know what we're really doing. So I really urge people to get their D, their DHA and EPA out of whole plant foods if possible, and to do that for a few years, and get your omega level checked if you if you believe the results. I I have a hard time believing them. And that uh, apparently they they've sent. Uh, uh, specimens out same the same blood specimen to a bunch of different labs to check the EPA uh, DHA omega three index and they come back with wildly different results from the same blood sample and so it makes you wonder how much you can really trust the results. So I'm saying eat your walnuts and your chia seeds and your and your your body should compensate well. But if you're pregnant or or over 65 probably should be taking some algae-derived supplement. Yeah, it's a good way of looking at the multitude of things that can impact the body's function. So what we can control is what we're consuming, the quality, the quantity, and also what we're not consuming that could be interfering with the here, body's here. function, right? Yeah, so. Absolutely. Well, those, seriously, those omega-6 oils, the, yes. the cotton oils, oil, all that stuff, um, the, those seal the enzymes that your tissues need to create the EPA and DHA. And the more junky, foody, omega 6 your diet gets, the more you're robbing yourself of your own EPA and DHA synthesis. It's a very important point. So eat whole foods like uh, grow in the garden and you'll, you'll be okay. So when we're thinking about these essential fatty acids. And again, they're called essential. They're essential nutrients in the body. Is there anything else, Dr. Clapper, that you wish clinicians knew? It sounds like there's not great testing. We just have to really focus on what we're consuming. Again, what we're not consuming, what we're exposed to. The body has sort of a bucket that it's holding. There's always the allostatic load we have to deal with. Anything else we should be thinking about through the lens of these two particular essential nutrients, the DHA and 
and the EPA? Uh, well, again, these are easily oxidizable molecules. Mm. They, these are long chain fatty acids with lots of electrons on them, and uh, they oxidize easily. So first of all, keep your walnuts and chia seeds, et cetera, keep them in the refrigerator. Don't, yeah. don't let them stand out uh, or they will oxidize. Uh, move through them fairly quickly. Uh, they shouldn't be in your refrigerator for six months. Uh, you should, uh, they, they will go rancid. And you don't want to put a lot of molecules in your body that are gonna be oxidizing agents. This is no time to be drinking fruit juices and uh, processed foods and sugary snacks. And well, obviously meats, dairies, et cetera, that uh, produce more of an acid load. Uh, you don't want to increase the oxidative burden upon the body in any way because the essential fats may pay the price. Yeah, really good point. My final question for you around this, Dr. Clapper, is related to that balance between the two. How much do we have to obsess or worry about the relationship between the DHA and the EPA? I think minimally. Mm-hmm. Uh, your focus should be on the omega-3s, on the EPA and DHA. Again, a, a, hand, a small handful of walnuts, 12, 15 walnuts, a couple of tablespoons of ground chia and flax and hemp seeds should give you the um, uh, the three, three grams of linolenic acid that your body needs to get on with uh, your DHA and EPA synthesis. Uh, and again, as long as you're not stealing all those enzymes with a bunch of omega-6 processed Food, you ought to be okay. And the uh, the uh, if you focus on the the omega three canning foods and not to minimize, there's omega three in you know, in dark green leafy vegetables in the cell membrane. Yeah. So so have that big helping of kale and collard and chard and Brussels sprouts every day. Um, if you're focused on that and you're making a point not to eat in the omega six heavy processed foods, the the balance will take care of itself. The body will your enzymes will compensate. Uh, they'll they'll produce more of these uh, long chain fatty acids uh, as needed. So uh, you're focused on the the omega-3s and the rest of the balance will take care of itself. I love that. It brings us back to the natural essence of the body to be homeodynamic, to really find its own balance. Thank you so much, Dr. Clapper. Such a good conversation about these essential nutrients. Thank you. It's been lovely chatting with you about these important subjects. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And please feel free to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 